Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. Thanks for listening to the Art of Money podcast, artofmoneyradio.com for more information or to schedule that initial consultation. Appreciate you subscribing. Now, let's get to the show. There's a clip from 60 Minutes, the news program, that was live about 10 years ago, but it's popped up again. It's titled The Truth About 401Ks. Correspondent Steve Croft interviewed a financial planner. His name was Brooks Hamilton, and here's what he said. The fact is that the typical 401k investor is a financial novice. They don't know a stock from a bond. And we give them a list of 20 or 30 mutual funds with really, really powerful names. You know, they sound like, gee, that's where I want to have my money. What are the generally the quality of the mutual funds in 401k plans? Mediocre. I'm be real honest with you. With half the funds on the list, really dogs, what people would characterize as dogs, shouldn't be on the list to start with. So that's from 10 years ago. But Art McPherson, has anything changed? I mean, is there a better place for our money than a 401k? Well, basically, the 401k... Um, and the plan that was put in force is done by your employer, right? The employer makes those decisions and they put in operation for the employees. The employee doesn't have a lot of say with that. And, you know, the employer may be a small employer, may be a large employer. You never know. So when you look up 401k plans, there's a, you know, there's fees involved and things like that. And a lot of people don't even know what the fees are, but you're just limited, right? So a 401k typically has about 25 to 35 different investment options. But a lot of times, if you look at those investment options, they're nowadays 10 or 15 of the options are target retirement date funds. And those are just a blend of the other funds available. So you might have 10 to 12 different actual mutual funds. So there's usually, you know, three or four gross stock funds, three or four mid caps, three or four small caps, you know, bond funds, high yield funds, a stable value fund, blah, blah, blah. You know, as you go down the list, you're, you have all these funds that you can pick from, but you're not an expert at what you're doing. All you're doing is maybe looking at the one, three, five year rate of returns and trying to do an asset allocation or blend. Um, but all you really know is your job as an employee and maybe your best buddy over there, two or three cubicles away who gives you expert advice from his perspective. I agree with Art, you know, there's only about, you know, 15 to 20 options. The other ones are kind of blends of each other. But we have the ability here to get into your 401k sometimes. You know, if, if you work for a large corporation here in Brevard County or Indian River County or, you know, here on the Space Coast, there's sometimes opportunities for you to move money within your 401k to what's still in the 401k but opens up your options, right? With Fidelity, it's called the brokerage link. You know, with, with other, you know, Empower or Schwab, it's called something different, but it's it's where you can open up a brokerage window and invest in whatever you want. Well, that gives you the opportunity to buy whatever you want, right? You can buy that Google stock or Apple stock, but it also provides us the potential to get in there and, you know, get better money managers on the platform for you. So we've been doing quite a bit of that this year as we've seen, you know, those funds in the 401k just kind of do mediocre, you know, as that as that clip from 10 years ago said. It's because not much has changed. You know, if you have a Fidelity 401k, all those target date funds are Fidelity funds underneath them. You know, your U.S. equities, if it, I mean, it's just all Fidelity funds, right? We like Fidelity, but maybe not necessarily all their funds. So opening up that window to, you know, get other money managers in there, get us involved. If you're under age 59 and a half or if you don't want to roll the money out yet, you know, there's an opportunity that we can still help you within the 401k and have your returns better with less risk. That's always our goal. So what's your 401k strategy look like? Sit down with the team of the McPherson Financial Group. Take advantage of that 401k x-ray where 
I'm going to take a deep dive into your 401k, seeing if the adjustments need to be made. Maybe you have one of those old debt accounts. Well, why are you not letting that work for you and your retirement plan? It's a 401k x-ray and it's compliments of the team at the McPherson Financial Group. It's available when you call 321-425-8550. Again, 321-425-8550 or artofmoneyradio.com. Earlier in the show, Luke, we were talking about how expensive it is to buy food right now, inflation and meat prices, everything's going up. But as someone who owned a food truck for a little while, did you subscribe to the five second rule? I subscribe to that personally, but not if I'm serving the food. <laughs> it's okay. You don't own the truck anymore, so you could be honest. No, if you not there. To. No, I mean, that's that's bad. That's bad, Mark. <laughs> yes. Um, Art McPherson. I mean, you're making a sandwich at the house. Piece of ham falls on the floor. Been down five seconds. Pick I, it up, I never get a chance. I have three dogs in the house. It is gone. <laughs> it's gone. Absolutely gone. Here in the Owens household, it's not the five. They second. just go. They already. Uh, they already ready. They're already by me whenever I'm getting food out because they know they're smart. So there is no five second rule in my house. It's called the five tenth of a second rule, and the dogs have already. It's just which dog got it first. In my house, it's the whenever I feel like bending down to pick it up rule. Do it eventually. There was a. There was a. <laughs> just leave it there. Good just, one. Good you know one. What? Uh, I'll get it in a second. There was a poll that said that more than forty percent of adults will eat things off the floor, as long as they can pick it up immediately. So within five seconds. Look, man, I worked at a restaurant. Come on now. It was the yeah. I'll get it when I get it. Listen, when the market drops, there is no five second rule. So how long does it take in a down market for? People to actually recover, to bend down to pick up their losses, if you will. Well, it depends what type of down market. If we're talking 2008 and nine, probably about three or four years, if you're not doing anything. If you're adding to it, that number's you know, sooner, maybe two or three years. If we're talking about COVID, where the government shut everything down and then crashed the market and then the government bailed the market out, you know, that was what, 30 days, 45 days? I mean, you know, you were back to where you were within a couple months, I'll call it, you know, 30 to 40 trading days. So, you know, the market tanked and then the government stepped in, bailed us out. So the market recovery, you know, is more about how much time do you have to wait on it? And if you're in retirement or within five years of retirement, you may not have enough time. And every event seems to be different. So I'm just going back on the, the most major two events that we've had. And so the next event's going to be different. It could be, you know, quicker recovery, faster crash. It could be a slower crash, slower recovery. You just don't know. So you just need your money you know, in, in different places other than just the stock market. Yeah, I think one of the things, Mark, that you talk about the five second rule, right? I wish that the stock market recoveries were five seconds. Mm. Um, unfortunately, it can be very painful. And one of the worst ones is when you go through like an 0809 where you have a 50% correction and that's happening during the time of retirement, right? So you're making distributions, you're doing withdrawals, the market corrects like that, and then you have your withdrawal on top of it. So Last year, as an example, you had a market correct 15%. You're making a withdrawal of 5%. Now you're, you've seen your account drop 20%. So you have to be careful. You want to make sure you have money that won't go down or money that's in areas that is stable or less volatile than the stock market itself so that when you need that income check, instead of having to sell assets that are off 15, 16, maybe even 20% or more, you can actually take it for money that hasn't got affected. You know, you're talking about the major events that affect the stock market. And I know, obviously, the McPherson Finance Group, you don't have that crystal ball. But you're starting to see the stories pop up about the return of COVID. Another booster shot is on the way. Some schools, some you know, business is already starting to say you need to mask back up. In your personal opinion, 
Should we start getting prepared for the possibility of the government overreaching again with COVID? I think the government's going to have a much tougher time to overreach this time because you actually said overreach, mm-hmm. right, in your clarification. Mm-hmm. I think before it was a pandemic, and I think before the American public was, you know, assuming our government was giving us good information. Um, but when you look at the data now and you look at two years post-COVID, it didn't help wearing a mask, it doesn't look like. It mm-hmm. didn't help getting the vaccines, it doesn't look like. We would have probably all been better if we had just the herd uh, immunization. Um, or took, it looks like, um, ivermectin and uh, some of the things that Trump had said um, actually did work pretty well against the virus, but we were not really told that right. you know, at the time. So some of the things that were withheld and some of the things that, that were forced upon the public has caused a lot of distrust, and I, I think they're going to have a tough time pushing the public back in that scenario. Yeah, and I say overreach because you, you hit the nail on the head. I think hindsight being twenty twenty. I think shutting down some businesses, but others were able to stay open, causing small businesses to go bankrupt while big businesses were able to flourish a little bit. It felt like an overreach. Yeah, I would agree with you 100 percent. And I think it's not constitutional. Like it doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution the government can shut down a private business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution the government can shut down a church, a charity and all the different things they were doing. Um, They actually suspend the Constitution. Um, for them to be able to do these temporary things like that. And I just think it's going to be a tough ask to the public because basically they're stewards of our money and they've been doing a very poor job of that. And they're also stewards. We put them in position, at least I think we do, through elections. And they're supposed to do the will of the people. And it sure doesn't seem like they do that anymore. Right. Yeah, I remember the one of the local beaches here was shut down. So you had to park across the street, walk across A1A through the through the ropes, through the orange barrels. Yep. When you go to the beach, you would feel like that should be the safest place, right? The right. fresh air, the breeze, the your outdoors. So when the government starts shutting down outdoor areas and beaches and, you know, things that it, it just, it was odd. It was very odd. <laughs> it's Hindsight, odd. it's extremely odd. It's going to be an amazing case study in about 10 it years is. from now when they start writing books on, on how we reacted to that and how it affected our bottom line and our money and small businesses. So that's why I ask, you know, are people starting to get a little concerned? Will the market start to be affected by all these little conversations about the return of COVID? But it's also an election year, so the politicians are going to do what makes them look best. So. We'll see. 321-425-8550 or visit artofmoneyradio.com. Benjamin Franklin said two things you can count on in life are death and taxes. Someone also said true, but at least death doesn't get worse every time Congress reconvenes. So tax laws are constantly changing and going into retirement in a low tax bracket with tax free money is a plus. But our McPherson, Luke McCarty, what is the downside of going through retirement with all your savings in a 401k. Everything is taxable when you distribute it. So, you know, nowadays there's different brackets for everything, right? So we have a a 10% income bracket. We've got a 12% income bracket. We've got a 22, a 24, and up and up and up from there. So everything that you do when you distribute from a 401k is taxable income. So if you take too much out of your 401k, then your Social Security becomes taxable and up to 85 percent of your Social Security can that can now be taxable. So if you have a pension and if you also have investment income coming from that 401k, you can get out there where you thought you're going to be in a lower tax bracket when you retired. But in reality, you're in the same bracket or maybe even a higher bracket, because if you've been a, a good saver and done a good job, you now have more money than you've ever had in your 
history of working. And now you're going to distribute those funds that you wanted for retirement to be able to do the travel you wanted to do and so forth. But it's all taxable income. So everything coming in the door is taxable income to you. And when you put it all together on your tax return, all of a sudden you're finding yourself paying the same amount of taxes you were actually paying while working. Yeah. And the downside, of course, is you're kind of just trusting that the government's not going to raise taxes on you. You have this snowball of money that you haven't paid taxes on. So you're going to pay it at some point. You're either going to pay it now because you're doing a Roth conversion or you're going to die with it and your kids are going to pay the tax. So somebody's paying the tax. So the risk you have with all your money in a 401k is that you think taxes are going to stay the same or go down in the future. And the way the government's spending, there's no way they can go down. I mean, there's always a possibility somebody comes in and cuts income tax again, but that, that lost a lot of money too, because the government essentially cut revenue, but increased spending. So that, that's your risk of the 401k is that you haven't done enough tax planning and rates can go to whatever they go to in the future, the unknown. But you know, my assumption is they're going to be higher and you're going to pay, you know, a third of that 401k is not even yours. And you're just floating it down the road to whatever the government decides to do with it. Three, two, one, four, two, five, eight, five, five, zero. Now we have an excuse for being late. It's called time blindness. So, Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, are you somebody that shows up five minutes early or right on time? Where do you fall in that category? Well, it depends. If I'm dropping my kids off at school and I'm in that school car line, who knows? But, um, <laughs> you know, in general, from the high school football to college football, if you're not early, you're late. Yep. I used to get in trouble for being 10 minutes early. And the coach would be like, you're not early enough. I'm like, I'm 10 minutes early. And then I'd have to do bear crawls. And it was silly. (laughs) The torture I went through to play a college sport, right? It was fun, though. What about you, Art McPherson? When you go to play golf, are you the person that shows up? If it's a 10 a.m. tee time, you're there at 845 on the range. Or if it's a 10 a.m., you come rolling in like Dukes of Hazard at 959 to the first tee box. That would be Mike Kinnett. (laughs) He comes rolling in right before tee time. Um, I like to hit a couple balls. You know, I'd like to be there about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes early so I can putt a little bit and, you know, hit enough balls that I start sweating crazily here in Florida. You know, you hit more than two shots and you're sweating already. But um, I like to hit a few balls, you know, hit my irons, hit my woods and then hit um, three or four drive shots. Make sure I've got my alignment good. Uh, That tends to help me a lot. But I don't I don't want to if we have an 815 tee time, I don't show up at six (laughs) now. And, and Kinnett is the guy that rolls up right before you tee off and then can't figure out why he's putting everything in the water. Yeah, can't figure out why he's slicing it. Yeah, you can't figure out why his, his shots are a little inconsistent. Well, speaking of time blindness, I want you to hear this. This comes off of TikTok where uh, this girl believes there should be more accommodations for time blindness. And yeah, I think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time when there's other solutions that we can look to. I think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that. Yeah, that culture needs to be dismantled. And then I asked that person, how can you feel good about yourself upholding this kind of system? And then to think I'm entitled. No, if people think it's okay to treat others like this, uh, that's entitlement. Uh, wait, so she's saying that don't get mad if somebody's late? Yes. I don't follow all the TikTok lingo. I'm, <laughs> she is basically defending those who are chronically late, saying, don't you dare judge someone who can't be on time. Well, I mean, I would give a lot of grace to Luke uh, and Stacy because getting out the door, it must take him at least 45 minutes just to pack the diaper bag. <laughs> but... They can plan around that, right? You learn that it takes you 45 minutes just to move as a group to the car. So you kind of learn yes. how to provide those time slots for yourself. Um, I remember just it was an ordeal to do anything, right? So if you had to leave the house and put the kids in the car, 
it was like you would look at each other and go, is it worth it? You know, is this something we really want to do? Are we just going to stay home or not? Um, but you can't, I mean, I get it. I understand. Like, but if you're not there on time, I mean, when we do events for our clients and stuff and we've got to be on time because we have maybe 200 people at an event, I'm sorry, but we're going to start on time. And if you're late, yeah, you might come to the movie, but after we're done with our little talk time, you might be watching Yep. You know, halfway through, halfway through the movie or 10 minutes late after the movie, you know, it's it is what it is. But if you come to one of our seminars and we're doing a seminar, we always start on time. We might give people five minutes, you know, if, it, if we feel like there was a reason for that. But basically, we want to be respectful for the people that were there on time. Otherwise, we're disrespecting them, too. Just hearing this TikToker. And yeah, I think that a culture where workers are just cut off because they struggle with being on time when there's other solutions that we can look to. I think that just anybody who thinks it's okay to just treat people like that, yeah, that culture needs to be dismantled. This just makes me fear That's for the bad. next generation. That culture needs it. So timeliness, promptness yeah, um, needs to be dismantled. <laughs> How old is she, Mark? Do you know? I, I'm just going to go ahead and say 22. Yeah, I'm going to say 23. Young. She sounds young. Yeah, um, the yeah and the like and the vocal fry. <laughs> that's that's the employee that I want right there. That's I, a work from home employee for life. <laughs> I oh, boy. Let me spin it there because they say that always being late in this quote unquote time blindness can also lead to procrastination. And I know you've seen that people not putting a plan together with enough time. Enough time to make it work for their retirement. How often does that happen when people almost wait to like, hey, I want to put a plan together, but I also want to retire in six months. You can't do that. That's true. But we do see it a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people that start really getting serious for retirement planning at 40. You know, and they really should have gotten serious at 30 or even mid 20s. It's just when you're in your mid 20s, you're not serious about retirement. You're just not. You're just, you're talking about, you know, the games with your buds and you're more worried about the day to day routine of things than you are about planning for retirement. That's not even on your radar. And yeah, exactly. So you're worried more about stuff like that rather than retiring and so forth. You know, you're still worried at finding the right woman. I don't know if that person would be on my radar, but and you're yeah. you're, <laughs> you're worried about finding the right woman, not planning for retirement. Typically, is there a right um, age, though? Like you said, you know, some people start at 40. Some people start at 55, 60. I mean, I know everybody's plan is different. No two plans are the same. But do you find that, hey, by this age, you should be serious? Well, it's the magic of compounding. So when you have 25 or 30 years for money to grow um, and you can make you know, long-term returns on that in that eight to 12% range, it makes a huge difference on how long you have that money to cook. And when you're contributing and then your employer is also contributing and matching those funds, it can make a big, big difference for you over the long haul on how much money you have to live off of later. So the later you wait, now Luke and I have a little bit of weapons in our toolbox. You know, we've got the catch-up provision when you hit age 50. But then that requires you, Mark, if so, if you're in this scenario, we got to put more money aside to help make up for lost time. So you can put more money in, but now you're having to put instead of 10 percent of your income. Now you're having to put 15, 20, maybe 25 percent of your income um, to help catch up for lost time. So you can do it. There are ways and provisions to do it. It just it's more painful on your side because now you're giving up a little bit of those beer floaters like you like <laughs> to call them to be able to put more into your 401k. And yeah, look at you. Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at artofmoneyradio.com. 
We are an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of financial and insurance products to custom suit their needs and objectives. Securities offered through World Equity Group, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services offered through ProStatus Group, LLC. McPherson Financial Group and ProStatus Group, LLC are separate entities and are not owned or controlled by World Equity Group, Inc. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any financial vehicle. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments can fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Investment financial professionals are not licensed in all 50 states. Art McPherson is not affiliated with nor endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency and does not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Annuity guarantees rely solely on the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. By contacting us, you may be provided with information about insurance and annuity products offered through Arthur McPherson. Florida Insurance License Number A1 74725. Today's show has been a work of art.